Welcome to the Compliance Perspectives Podcast. I'm Adam Turtletow from the Society of Corporate Compliance and Ethics and Healthcare Compliance Association. Joining us today from Providence, Rhode Island is Donna Schneider. Donna is Vice President, Corporate Compliance and Internal Audit at Lifespan. First, Donna, thank you for taking time away from your day to talk to us. Well, thank you very much, Adam, for having me. I'm excited to be here. I'm very excited, too, because I was very intrigued by a column of yours that I read in Compliance Today magazine. You're in the midst of a six-column series on successfully conducting important conversations. At the time of recording, two of those have already run. Let's start with your first tip, which is stick to the facts. Uh, It seems obvious, but there's obviously more to it. What do you mean by that? Well, facts are very important in any conversation, whether it's a professional conversation um, or the conversations that we might have as compliance and privacy professionals, because if you don't rely on the facts, there's a tendency to tell yourself a story. So, for example, um, you're driving in a car and you get cut off by someone. Well, you can tell yourself a story as to why that person cut you off and how terrible that person might be and you know, what kind of a day that person might be having, having, but you really don't know the facts. So it's important when you're about to embark on a conversation, especially a crucial conversation, that you stay with the facts because they're not emotional. They're things you, you see yourself or you hear yourself or you read yourself. So that's really important. I think one of the cornerstones of having a conversation which um, each party can contribute to and uh, decrease defensiveness. And I, I think you're really hitting the nail on the head there because you know facts are a lot harder to argue with than opinion. You, you can't always argue facts, but as long as you're listing sort of what is indisputable, it's a lot better than trying to argue what you think these things necessarily mean. Now, one of the things that comes with us that you know, you, you've addressed is the idea of the importance of patience. Um, and that's not always easy, especially when there's an issue that's going on. How do we get leadership to recognize that resolving things quickly may not be the best course of action? So that's a good question. Um, in my experience, I think in my experience, it's worked out that if you give a sort of a timeline or perspective of I'm going to start here and I estimate this will take a week, say, for example, And then at the end of that time, you may not be where you need to be. So it's the constant communication, being clear in your communication with leadership, clear and succinct, I might say, because I feel that, you know, when people are busy, they're looking for sound bites. They might want something to be resolved very quickly, but that's not always um, possible given the length of the investigation or who you may talk to. So being in consistent communication establishing um, a collaborative rapport with the leadership is important. And again, being clear on where you started with, where you are at that very moment, and where you intend to be in terms of time frame, just sets a level playing field and increases transparency and expectations. I think that's really the piece, the expectation piece is important. And, and- you really do want to have that sort of real expectation for everyone going in as to what is going to happen. Otherwise, you know, it it does start looking bad to them when in fact what you're doing is the right course of action. 
Now, the second column uh, you, you wrote focuses on handling difficult conversations. When you have a difficult conversation, you obviously don't walk in the door without thinking through what you're going to say. What should we as compliance people do before the conversation to properly prepare? So that's another good point. In my opinion, um, and really based on a book, Crucial Conversations, which really goes through, and I referenced that in the article, um, what makes a conversation crucial, how to, you know, sometimes when you're having the same conversation over and over, how do you get unstuck? Um, but in terms of preparation, I think it's really a matter of thinking, what, what outcome or do you want for yourself? What outcome do you want for others? What do you want for the relationship between you and the person you're speaking to and really for the organization? And not necessarily the, the specifics of um, the, the piece you're talking about. It's really, what do you want to have happen? Do you want to have a dialogue? Do you want to just express the facts that you know? Do you want to just learn the facts from the other party? So it's really understanding that, understanding as as I say in crucial conversation is starting with your heart. What is your intent? And then thinking to yourself, well, how would I behave if I really wanted to get to those that goal? So being true in your behavior, which is the nonverbal communication cues we all use, as well as the verbal communication and syncing that up prior to having that conversation because there are times where you might get into that conversation and things could go south for example and then also preparing in your head how you might handle that if that happens so you're able to make that pivot quickly well and the approach that you outline is a good one because it also eliminates distractions you know things that might be raised that really aren't germane to the conversation or what your objective is. And as you were talking about laying out your objective, it took me back to all my years in advertising, where basically when you, before an ad was created, you set a goal of what did you want the consumer to do? Did you want right. them to switch brands? Do you want them to use it more often? And then every piece of the communication, if it's measured against that uh, ultimate objective leads to a much more effective one and relevant one and avoids a thing like, oh, we should talk about this. Well, that's not going to get us where we want to go. So let's not talk right. about it. Right. Now, you mentioned that conversations can often go badly, uh, mm -hmm. especially given the risk of what compliance people have to do. When the conversation starts going badly and the other person is clearly getting angry or defensive, how can we diffuse the situation effectively? Well, actually, this is a spoiler alert because this is the next um, article that's going to come out, which is exactly that. What do we do when we think a conversation is going to go badly? So there's a couple things we can do. Uh, if we're in the midst of a conversation, what's worked for me is I uh, brought the conversation back to a mutual purpose. For example, if, if it's a patient care issue, the mutual purpose is the patient. Patients at the center. So bringing that back, using words and nonverbal cues that show there's mutual respect. So again, aligning mutual purpose, mutual respect. Um, the other piece, which is uh, again, out of crucial conversations is called something contrasting. So if you have a, a sense that the conversation starter might be a little rough or or actually you get into the conversation, it's called a don't do statement. 
So it could be along the lines of something such as, I don't want to alarm you uh, by having this conversation, but I do want to get to the facts of the matter at hand. And really the don't statement puts the other person at ease so they know, well, we're not gonna talk about that. that. They understand your intention. And then the do statement gives the person a sense of direction for the conversation. So using the don't do statement um, has been very helpful for me both professionally and also personally. I can imagine that. I mean, because it does lead to a conversation that's directed towards an objective and an outcome, not to one that involves, it, it helps tone down the emotionality of it because this is about are we achieving a goal or not versus how did this happen? Why is this happening? And, and personal frustration. I don't right. doubt that that enters into it a great deal uh, because you know usually it is a vexing thing, but it, it would certainly help. Well, finally, can you give us a preview of what's to come in the next columns? You've already given us a little bit of a taste, but I'm curious to know what else you've got planned. Oh, sure. So I gave you a little uh, teaser for the next column that'll be released. Um, and then, the, so that would be tip number four. Tip number five and tip number six are really, uh, my plan is to give some other concrete strategies that have to do with conversations to really help people sort of prepare and frame them. Because I think that's challenging, whether it's professional or it's personal. If you know you have to have a difficult conversation, it, it's unsettling to you. But if you have a strategy of how to frame that and you practice that, believe it or not, I've practiced my conversations in front of mirrors with colleagues. So trying to give some framework about that, um, that would be helpful. And then also talking a little bit about cues and sort of um, where you see yourself at that point in time having the conversation. Are you curious? you know, having a curiosity factor, or are you really more stressed? And that'll have a, a maybe a negative bearing on your conversation versus being appreciative of having the time to speak with a colleague and really learn more about whatever investigation you may be doing. So those the tidbits and I guess strategies are really the focus for the, the uh, tips number five and tip number six. Well, and I think there's a sub tip you gave in there. You know, you said when you're talking to a colleague and what you can learn from them, it's important also to remember as you're having these conversations, it's not just about what you have to say, but it's also, uh, and, and you need them to hear, but it's also what they have to say and what you may be learning from that, uh, which can affect outcomes dramatically. Very, well, very Donna, true. Thanks. This has been a great conversation. Uh, thank you so much for all the, all the columns that you've been writing. Uh, I want to thank all of you for taking the time to listen. I'm Adam Chittletaup from SCCE and HCCA. I hope we're able to expand your compliance perspective. <music>